0: Welcome to ERDB, I am Brenton and I'm joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us as we count up the IMDB's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week rated as number 55 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Memento. Released in the year 2000, starring Guy Pearce as the lead, Memento is a psychological mystery set in Los Angeles, California. Based on the short story titled Memento Mori, written by Jonathan Nolan, Memento is written and directed by his brother, Christopher Nolan.
1: Did you say it was a book?
0: Uh, it was a short story. They were kind okay. of writing the short story and the screenplay simultaneously, but it was it's safe to say that it was based on his short story and they worked on mm. it together, uh, which they have worked on movies after this. Uh, like The Prestige and Interstellar and and The Dark Knight Trilogy. Um, Memento Mori is Latin for, like, remember that you will die. So it's kind of like basically meaning that Um, death is inevitable and uh, you should remember it. Um, So this is Christopher Nolan's second feature film. We've obviously covered a lot of his stuff because a lot of his stuff has has been on the list. Um, Mm. We've done Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar, The Prestige, this is the fifth one that's on the list, but we've also done Dunkirk, which is an honourable mention. So that's five in, in the top 55. That's that's quite a lot. I think nine of them out of his 11 that he's made are in the the top 250, which is really quite impressive. Mm. Uh, and we're also recording this, just for context, before Tenant is released, um, because this episode won't be out for like eight months, and that movie looks just as much of a high concept mind as inception does like that's very much what christopher nolan does he makes you think
1: this one was up there too this felt very much kind of along the same vein except it wasn't quite as like mind bendy by that i mean you didn't have to kind of wrap your head around the concept to understand it as much as you would have had to do with inception and probably tenant yeah it's definitely
0: low budget um but he definitely like we've said before uses time that's like his thing Mm. he always just messes with time he i don't think he's ever done a linear storyline before
1: this is i think my favorite way that i've seen him do it like my favorite Mm. instance of it it's my favorite way that he's used time yeah that's right non-linear timelines
0: It's actually quite unique, because I'm trying to think of other movies, because if you haven't seen this movie, the gimmick is basically, he shows you what happens in the end, and then works backwards. Like, each scene is is set before the one previously, and it's basically just a sort of gimmick to try to make you feel like the main character, because the main character can't create short term memory, he's kind of got like Dory from Finding Nemo kind of thing. Um,
1: Yeah, so he's consistently like um, being put in these situations where I guess it would feel like you're kind of waking up and you're like, how did I get here?
0: Yeah, it makes you question because the audience doesn't know, oh, who's this new character? Why am I here? I don't know. Yeah. Because that's exactly what the character feels. I think it's a very clever filmmaking technique to make you feel that way.
1: Yeah, and there were times where it was, I think, bothering me just because i didn't like not knowing you know what i mean yeah i didn't yeah. i didn't like that sense of not understanding what was going on and you've got some context but you don't have a lot of context yeah
0: it's like it shows you the cliffhanger and then goes backwards and shows you what leads up to the cliffhanger yeah each scene sort of starts with something that's intriguing but you have no idea what what's the context here i don't understand this which is exactly what the character feels like
1: Mm, And I thought that was really clever.
0: I don't know how well the movie stands up if you were to play it linearly, like the story. Um, I would
1: be curious to do it anyway just to to see see. it that
0: way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I think, there's probably an edit on YouTube or something that you could probably find.
1: But I think that
0: the technique is so good and unique, the way that it's been executed, that I don't mind it. Mm. I, don't, I don't think the story is that lacking that it wouldn't stand up because we've said before something like The Usual Suspects um, I think that movie is only good because of the twist ending and if you got rid of that then, then that's not a good movie but if the twist was so amazing and it was written in such a smart way like it's executed well then it's kind of forgivable um, mm. if that makes any sense as a comparison I think that this works because the gimmick is really well done Mm. Um, I was actually trying to think of how the storyline actually works. So it shows you the last scene first. So there's essentially two timelines that are sort of he's showing you. One of them is in colour and one of them is in back- black and white, which, again, is a very clever way to show you that these things aren't on the same timeline. Uh, so it's kind of like two- one or two days this whole well- storyline is set over.
1: It, no, it's more than that, I think. It's more than I that? He's just like, always wearing the same it's suit, a, and that's all. Yeah, I think it's about a week. Okay. Um, and something clever that I also like. So, one of them is running. So, the main part of the movie is running back to front, obviously. The color like it's running one, yes. end to beginning. But the black and white one is running beginning to end. And they, those do sync up eventually,
0: like yeah. near the end
1: of the movie. And. It's interesting, too, because those black and white ones could technically be considered memory. Like, they happen in the past. You know, that's the very beginning part of this yeah.
0: story. Well, yeah. those ones are, interestingly enough, not really shown from his perspective. Where the color yeah. ones, he, you can hear him thinking. You can see it from his perspective. Whereas the black and white ones, you don't know what he's thinking. You're not hearing what the person on the other side of the phone line is saying to him. And the camera is very much not like a point of view. It's it's showing the room.
1: He's almost narrating.
0: Yeah, the black and white is very objective sort of storyline. And the colour is very subjective. Um, at least at the beginning. I think it changes a bit towards the end there. Um, so there's kind of a middle point of the movie... Correct me if I'm wrong, if you picked up on something different here. Mm. So the colour starts at the end and works its way back to the middle point. And mm. the the black and white starts at a beginning and then works its way towards the middle point. So there's sort of, and that's where it converges?
1: Yeah, but that middle point is at the beginning of the colour sequence. The the true chronological beginning of the colour sequence.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. However, there is a part where the black and white are sort of mixed. There's just mm. there's something that happens at the end that sort of makes me think that the black and white is actually at the end of the colour as well.
1: I think honestly, I think it could go either way.
0: And yeah. that's kind of the point. I think, it interpretation could, a bit. <laughs> I
1: think it could be put at the beginning or I think it could be put at the end. And mm. I think that's kind of the point just based on some of the spoiler stuff we could get into. I think it could fit at either point. Yeah. This almost felt, like, Fight Club-esque to me,
0: mm. uh, which is Because of the narrator?
1: Well, I don't know. I think there's a couple things. So, Guy Pearce and Brad Pitt had very similar haircuts in these movies. <laughs> there's that, yeah. So, there's that. Um, but also just kind of the, like, Ed Norton, like, keeps... Waking up and not quite understanding, yeah. Like where he is and what's going on. There's
0: a big uh, story arc there where it's like I don't really know what's real. I have no idea how much time has passed. I can see yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Well, and there's a lot of physicality in this, like there was in Fight Club. Like there's just there's a few different things. It's kind. Of, it's pretty grungy, you know. Like the yeah. the setting and and the ambiance of the movie like there's a lot of things where I'm like this kind of fits not to mention that some of the actors kind of look the same
0: yeah there's actually two actors in this from The Matrix which came out the year before
1: oh uh, there Carrie Ann
0: Moss and uh, Joe Pantoliano. so there you go I was thinking he says that he doesn't really understand the passage of time which makes sense right you wouldn't know because the last thing that you remember Who? is before he had brain damage
1: Leonard. Um, Yeah. Okay.
0: But I was just thinking, like, if you think that it's July and you check the calendar and it's actually November, then you have a pretty good passage of time, right? Like, oh, okay, that's how many months has gone by.
1: Well, but only if you've got somebody who knows what's up changing your calendar for you. You know what I mean?
0: No, I'm just saying, like, you can ask someone what's the date today. So yeah, I can understand where he says I have no idea how many how much time has gone past since the incident. I don't know how long my wife's been dead for, um, but I just thought unless you check you into check? it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, for his That's own internal clock, I think he wakes up every morning. Like, I wonder how much of it is kind of like like with fifty first dates, where she I was wakes actually just going to up- say that. And she she thinks it's the same day.
0: That's my point, right? Because there's a part of that movie at the end where she wakes up and she's like, oh, I'm in Alaska and I have a daughter and I'm married and and she thinks that it's still 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, like how friggin' jarring would that be? You mm. know what I mean? Um, whereas with Leonard, he, he knows what's going on for him. So, I'm not sure how that works, how he knows that he has a condition.
0: That's a good point, actually, because you know? she doesn't realize that she has no. a condition. And I feel like in reality, you wouldn't know what's happening to you. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah.
1: Well, and just, so, I think so much of your day, like, oh, that'd be so frustrating because so much of your day, like with, oh, what was her name in that movie? Lucy. Oh, I don't know. Drew, in States. <laughs> um so much of her day is spent like learning about what's happened she looks at her videos she reads her diary which is another very similar note you know that i noted right away that um because in this leonard says you know he trusts his own handwriting pretty much above anyone else's and you just you learn to Mm. um which makes sense and that was a similar strategy that was used in that other movie i just think like you'd spend so much time just like trying to figure out what's happening, that you don't really get to live life.
0: Is this a real condition? Because it makes sense that if you damage that part of your brain, or is it just sort of a theoretical sort of interesting th- no, sort I'm, of thing?
1: No, I'm, I'm sure so there are people exists. that suffer with this. Yeah, it's like technically enterograde amnesia, I think is what it was called, but it's not really amnesia. It's not that you forgot memories, it's that you can't make new ones.
0: Because there's someone... In fifty first dates, is it like ten second Tom or something, where he only lasts ten seconds and then he resets? Yeah, and it's very similar to Sammy Jenkins in this movie. Um, yeah. So there are people like that.
1: I reckon. Yeah.
0: That's a shame. You would need to be in some sort of care home or something. which You they would both need are. to.
1: And I mean, not meaning to take something you know really quite sad and make lemonade out of lemons, but um, the fact that that's happened to those people is actually, that's the way we learn about how the brain and memory works, is through case studies like that. Mm. So, I mean, you know, at least because it happened to them, we can study their brain scans and everything and and learn more about it so that maybe in the future we can do something about it, you know? Yeah. Because it's not ethical to, like, give people lesions <laughs> and see what happens.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, So, I thought this was really quite clever, because it starts off with the opening shot is him shaking a Polaroid dry. You take the photo, you are got to wait for it to sort of, you know, dry, and it gets its colour and sets the ink and stuff. Um, Yeah. So, the Polaroid, through this whole movie, is sort of representing his replacement for short-term memory. He uses these things to replacement. And the opening scene is him sort of shaking this to get it to, to work but it's shown backwards. And you even picked up immediately, you're like, oh, this is being shown backwards because that's not how Polaroids work. So I think that's, an it's the only part of the movie that's actually physically shown backwards while the colour stuff is shown forward, but in segments that are in a backwards order, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Which I think is really quite clever because Nolan's like, okay, we need to show you that we're going to be showing you things in backwards order. So here's one that's just him shaking a Polaroid, in a backwards order and you're like, boom, get it. I well, gotcha. It,
1: it piques your interest, exactly, because you're thinking that's that's not how that goes. Yeah. What's going on here? So it just it gets your brain kinda ready to figure out what it is, like what's the gimmick here kind of thing. Yeah. Why are they doing this? Yeah.
0: And I think it's interesting that it, it when you play it in reverse like that, it looks like it's fading. So, I think it's kind of like a Mm. representation of the whole sort of movie because it's his short term memory. It's backwards. It's a Polaroid that's fading. And it's a picture of a dead body. So, it's like a fading memory of this dead body. And physically, you see it. And then he shakes it. You can't see it. And then you see it again. So, it's kind of representing the whole sequence where you see a sequence then you don't see it, and then you see the next sequence before that. So it, I just think that um, it's cut non-linearly like the movie is. Like that whole mm. 20, 30 second opening where him shaking that Polaroid sort of represents the whole movie in a very clever it's like a
1: way. like m- a micro metaphor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you wouldn't think, like, a lot of blockbusters, I think, really gloss over opening sequences and don't use them to kind of give any indication to audiences, Um, but you can actually do quite a bit with it, hey?
0: Mm. Um, There's one thing to note before we get into spoilers that uh, I think it's interesting that the movie tells you who the bad guy is from the very beginning, but it spends the whole movie making you question it and figure it out because you're like, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know and that's pretty much what the character is doing right he's he's finding these sort of facts to say is this the guy
1: I think it's really amazing how it elicits all of these questions in you and it puts you in the the protagonist's shoes like he very much places you in the place of his character and it's only because he's doing it in a backward sequence Like, that's the, there's other things, but that's the biggest part of it. Mm. Like, that's what makes you feel the way he feels. And I think it's just, it's such a clever, simple, but brilliant technique that I wouldn't have expected to be so effective.
0: Yeah. I would like to talk more about those, so we're going to have, go into a bit of a spoiler warning here. Um, Okay. Just going on from that, because I think each one of the segments needs to be constructed in a very particular way. In order to make you it feel to, that way, in order for it, yeah, to, in in order for you to make you feel that way, but it ties in to the scene that you just watched, and like I said, it has a sort of a cliffhanger beginning to it. So you're like, I don't understand where I am, which is seen quite a lot because there's a scene where he's like, he's running, and he's like, okay, what am I doing here? Am I? Oh, I'm chasing this guy. Oh shit, he's chasing me. Um, and I think like the way that each segment has to begin and end is very clever and it's very well constructed. It's yeah. actually, it would have been more difficult than what we give credit to as to how to actually make this movie So, and like deciding, it, you know what I mean?
1: Deciding where you're going to put your cuts.
0: Yeah, kind of and thing. making each yeah. one of the cuts, interesting. Because mm. if this was sort of a boring linear sort of story, each of the cuts, it doesn't, that's, that's not an interesting cut, you know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah, because I didn't really care about where you went or or where you're going to, you know?
1: Because a lot of the ones that stand out are things where it's like you really wouldn't... It would feel so strange and irregular to be in that situation and not know what's going on. So, for example, okay, I'm running. Why am I running? When are we ever running and not knowing why we're running?
0: Yeah, in a suit like that, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When are you ever sitting in the bathroom and you're like, you're holding a bottle of whiskey and you're like, okay, I don't feel drunk, Yeah, so I... Don't think I am drunk. I don't know where I am.
0: Which that's an interesting okay. scene because he went back to his apart- this guy's apartment to jump him when he's holding this bottle as a as a weapon. Weapon. And then his memory resets and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have a shower." <laughs> yeah, I think that's so strange. You know
1: what I mean? Can like- you imagine
0: being the other guy being like, "Okay, this guy's broken in and now he's having a shower in my apartment"? Like, <laughs> that's so strange
1: yeah and that whole scene like he beats him up and he's naked and I'm just like this is so bizarre but of course it is and that's what makes it interesting
0: there's the scene with Natalie where you see that she's like comes in and she's crying and she's been beaten up or whatever and then you see the scene before that and she's like hiding all the pens so he he can't write it down like he's giving you every time he gives you information it completely changes the context of something that you just watched and I think that in order to do that, it's actually quite a lot of work. More it than you would might be. think.
1: I think you'd have to basically write it out... You'd have to write the chronological order out front ways, right? You'd have to write it out chronologically first. Yeah. And then kind of work backwards to figure out where it's going to be most you'd interesting. you probably have to
0: like cut it after each climax of each scene sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think it it is very impressive, and that's probably why it is in the top... 100 films of all time that's probably why it's rated that way what yeah. did you think of this movie
1: well there were a lot of times where i would like it just kept changing my perspective of things and people so it's like okay she's really nice no she's not she's a fucking bitch oh maybe she's not a bitch i don't know like it was just there was a lot of playing with what you believed yeah you know what i mean and yeah. what it made you believe and it's like oh this guy definitely did it No, yeah, he did. Yeah. It's like, Mm. well, maybe, well, what is, well, what's going on here? Well, why is he doing that? Okay, he did. Okay, no, he did. What the fuck? You know, like there was a lot of that kind of stuff where it was just really playing with what you remembered and what you didn't remember, which Mm. is the whole point. And like I said, I'm just amazed that they were able to do that. With Especially with Teddy's of- character.
0: Like, I had, I could yeah. not pin this guy down. And I liked that his card said, don't trust his lies. And it's like, okay, that helps me as an audience try to figure out if this guy's real Which or not. Which
1: is why at the very end, I was just like, motherfucker.
0: Yeah. Like, he's you just know? always trying to weasel his way out of everything.
1: No, I mean, like, the very end scene. He, Leonard, without looking for John G, he has no reason for being anymore. He's just mm, a guy yeah, who it's can't it's remember It's his drive.
0: Things. It's his purpose. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So Teddy telling him, you actually got this guy like a year ago, pissed him off. It took his, it took his purpose away. And he's like, yeah. how can I forget what you just told me so that I have a purpose again? Oh, I'll kill you. You know what I mean? And so him saying, don't believe his lies was basically a big fuck you, you know, cause he knew when he woke up again, he'd believe himself over anyone else. You know. Well that's so that what I was, was gonna just...
0: ask. Like, is he actually the guy who killed no! his wolf? Okay, so he's just A John G. Yeah, and, and
1: that's like, point. And he's like, you know what?
0: I think you're just some guy, and I'm gonna make you the guy that I'm chasing. Like he made the facts fit to this guy.
1: Well, and that was the whole thing at the end that Teddy was saying, he's like, I've been helping you make the facts fit to a bunch of guys for a year.
0: Yeah. See, I, I see. I, I don't know if I believed people. what he was saying at the time, though. That's why I'm like, is he bullshitting? Probably. I don't know. So was he actually a cop? Was he a corrupt cop? He was cop?
1: actually a cop. He was a corrupt cop because he was, he got Leonard to meet um, Jimmy for a drug deal so that they could each take right. $100,000.
0: Yeah. So he, the guy that he was chasing, he made himself chase him. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Because he said, "Well, fuck you, you just took away my whole purpose of being, yeah, and I don't like you, fuck you, I'll get you, and it won't mean it won't be any any difference to me, I won't know any different, you know,
0: that's pretty amazing, like the it because you're pretty sure that because he's tattooed this on him, this is his drive, this is his journey, this is why he's doing this, and at the end, it's like the searching for him is the point, not finding him.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And all of it makes you question everybody's motives, especially yeah the bit like seeing everybody from the end to the beginning, you get to know kind of their characters and it makes you question their beliefs and everything. So like people actually wanted to get Teddy because Teddy was the reason that Jimmy died. So he did set that up. He he sent Leonard in there knowing he was gonna kill this drug dealer. Mm. Like you can't you can't deny that. So why did Natalie help him? Because surely she knew that this was the guy who killed her boyfriend.
0: Yeah, which is a weird scene. Can like can you imagine seeing a guy turn up in his car and he's wearing his suit? Which is why she says, How do you come in here wearing that? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Well yeah, and then she ends up helping him, so like from in chronological order she goes from being really pissed off to totally using him to you know feeling sorry for him and helping him and it's like well why but you see that backwards you know what I mean so it's like well what is she actually getting out of this she got she got some bad people off her ass which was helpful to her um but yeah just the way she behaves it's very jarring it's just very all over the place you well, know? I had
0: asked you, I don't know if you answered the question, did you enjoy it? What, did you, what is your overall thoughts of this movie?
1: Um, I think it's a bit of a cinematic masterpiece. Okay. If Nolan's pretty good with not, that. If not cinematic...
0: Storytelling. Narratively.
1: Then, yeah, storytelling and screenplay. It's a masterpiece yeah. of a screenplay, if not of a movie. Because was it really nice to watch? Not really, it wasn't meant to be it's a it, it's about the story um it's the the use of storyboarding and things like that that makes well, it well it was nominated
0: good. for best original screenplay and best film editing, which is completely fair enough. It didn't win, but that's fine, but um mm-hmm. it, at least it got some recognition in there
1: I think yeah, for I was trying to figure out where does where does the magic actually lie It's with the editing that's what yeah. it is,
0: yeah, Because the fact that it overlaps certain elements so that you mm. see certain things twice, like quite a few things twice, but with a different context every time.
1: It was a very it was a very captivating and engaging story. Um, would I watch it again? Probably not. Was it a very nice story? No, but it was interesting as hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's another one of those thinkers. Um, we've been having a few of those lately where it's like, I enjoyed it even though I didn't really like it kind of thing. You appreciate
0: it without having to see it multiple times, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, I wouldn't watch this again, but this is one where I'm like, I'm definitely glad that I've seen it. I think it's one of those where... It's
0: the least I can ask for.
1: It's just, it was such a... It was so different from anything I've ever seen. Mm. You know?
0: It's a a little bit, kind of like what Tarantino does in Pulp Fiction, with the timelines. Um... In the sense that it shows you sort of the end segment. It makes you question, how did the characters get here? What's going on? And then it shows you the segment before, much later on in the movie, if that makes sense. Except Um, this
1: is on steroids. This is that on steroids. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: just that concept, a movie. Um, But yeah, Pop Fiction does that really quite cleverly.
1: Mm. See, I love Tarantino because he takes, he kind of, feels like he takes some of what Nolan does, dials it way down, but adds a lot of really awesome humor and dialogue into it.
0: I mean, Pulp Fiction was before this.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying, though, like, if I had to pick a director who I'm going to watch over and over again, you know who it's going to be. Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I did sort of think that, like, this was sort of a precedence, for Dunkirk and the timelines there in the sense that he's got three timelines all running different speeds in that movie and they all converge at a single point. Um, so I think that he, in Dunkirk, he really shows off what he learnt from making Memento in a weird way um, mm. with taking those sort of things because Dunkirk shows you the end of, a, of an incident before it shows you the beginning all the time. And so you've got these, th- Dunkirk has three different characters on the three timelines, whereas this one, it has the same character for the timelines, and they're all, It's he's very good at doing non-linear, um, and it's always interesting in both of those movies to see them converge.
1: I think this one was honestly easier to follow than Dunkirk was.
0: Because it's the same character, yeah. Um, Probably. I did want to talk about Sammy Jenkins a little bit. Because uh, mm. his scenes are always intriguing, and they're all shown in black and white. So I'm thinking that they're, they're all objective, right? These are his memories. These are his stories, um, and they're all chronological. The black yeah. and white one, shots, uh, both of him and Sammy Jenkins, are all chronological. It's sort of episodic.
1: Well, and the Sammy Jenkins memories would be because they were before the accident, right? They were before before he his, his accident. Yes. Yeah. Before Leonard's. Anyway, yes. sorry, continue.
0: I was just going to ask with that, like they show him taking a test where he has six objects in front of him and he has to pick up any three objects in, in any order uh, yeah. and he does that test over and over again but some of the objects are electrified and he keeps zapping himself because he's not learning and it's a it's a conditioning test. It's instinctual. It's, it's a different part of the brain from memory is what they say. I was just wondering, why uh, did Sammy yeah. Jenkins fail this conditioning test when so, it's a different part of the brain than what was damaged?
1: So what they were testing, the reason they were testing conditioning was to see if he was faking or not. Because yes. most people, you know, most, in quote air quotes here, it's a very rare condition, but most people who have the condition that he had... Um, respond to conditioning, and through repetition can form not new memories, but new instincts. Right? They're they're still responsive to conditioning because it's a different part of the brain than memory, than the part of the brain that forms memories. For whatever reason, Sammy Jenkins wasn't responsive to conditioning, and that happens. It could have been the type of conditioning it was, which I believe was operant.
0: So he could have just had an injury in that place as well and they wouldn't have known.
1: Yeah, or for whatever reason like sometimes like sometimes you just get a dog that doesn't respond well to dog training school, you know what I mean? Like it's just sometimes Right, some okay, people... he's sort of an
0: anomaly in that. And that's yeah. why they they said that he wasn't applicable for the insurance.
1: Because it indicated that what he was going through was not... Physical. Physical, it was mental, because technically he should have responded to um, conditioning, given his condition. Um, and mm. the idea was that if it was if it was psychological, um, which in that case probably would have been trauma-based, um, he's not using that part of the brain, so he could be subconsciously blocking that conditioning. Like he's, you know what I mean? Well,
0: that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. It could be a number of reasons is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And okay, you it was just a question that made me that, ask but, while yeah. watching it.
0: And one a uh, couple other questions that I did have that you might be able to shed some light on. Mm-hmm. Why, why was his wife murdered in the first place? Was it just a home invasion or something that went it wrong? It was
1: just, yeah, that's what, that's what Teddy said. It was just a couple of junkies going into Rob to get some money to score um, who didn't realize that there was two people in the house. Right. I thought okay. it was just the woman. Yeah, because it's not.
0: It's not really important why she died.
1: No, it's the fact that she did.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and my other question is that I don't know if you ever like asked yourself this question until the mm. character does, but who was on the other side of the phone? Was it Teddy? Was he talking to Teddy that whole time? Because I remember the first. This is probably the third time I've seen it, but the first time I watched it. I never asked myself, who is he talking to on the phone? Until he's like, wait a minute, who is this? And it's yeah. a very jarring moment because of that. You're like, hey, wait a minute, you're right. Who is that? Um, yeah. And it's just, just another one of those techniques in this movie that makes you feel like the character. Uh, did you ask yourself that question?
1: Um, Probably. I think I figured out though. I think it was Teddy.
0: Yeah. There's not a whole um, lot of characters in this movie who it could be. I imagine it was Teddy. Yeah. But the movie sort of leaves that open to interpretation. Yeah. There was something that I watched from Christopher Nolan himself. I think it was on the DVD extras where he was saying that the main character is able to manipulate the meanings of certain memories and manipulate his interpretations according to his present circumstances. And he was saying about how that represents what we all sort of do. An example Mm. of that is... Teddy is sitting in his car, this Jaguar, Mm -hmm. with Leonard, and he's like, how are you able to afford this car? Even though Teddy knows that it's not his car. Um, And Leonard makes up this sort of story about how he had an insurance payout from his wife, and that's how he's able to pay for the suit, even though the car was Jimmy's. But he's looking at his circumstances, and he's piecing things together, and that becomes his reality. And I thought that was a really interesting quote, and the fact that he said that, to some degree... We all sort of do this in our we everyday do. lives. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting thing to note. Because I think there's a few things in here, whether you it takes you a few watches to get it. There's a few things that Nolan is trying to say that represents real life and the way we live our lives.
1: I feel like I do that all the time. Like, I feel like... Like what? Well, you'll laugh and ask me, like, why did you do that? And I'll basically...
0: Make up a story that sort of fits... Yeah,
1: yeah. circumstances, instead. yeah. Like, not because I'm trying to lie, or because I'm... But, yeah. ...or because I don't know, but, like, I'll kind of be, like, just figuring it out in the moment, you know what I mean? Well, this, I was kind of going for this, and this makes sense, so I probably did it because of this. Even though I didn't necessarily have a hard and fast answer, and maybe part of it is subliminally, I don't want to sound like a dickhead and say, well, I don't know, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um. Yeah, so I definitely recognize that.
0: Mm, yeah, I just think that's an interesting, interesting point. And Nolan is pretty mm. good at putting in those sort of messages. Um, so I'd highly recommend checking out the other episodes that I mentioned before, where we've covered Christopher Nolan movies. He's definitely the director we've covered the most on this list because of all the great movies that he has in his filmography. Um, I really quite enjoyed this, even if it's not one that you would probably want to dive back into. I'd, I'd recommend it.
1: He's one that you watch if you're kind of a movie buff because you want to see what he's gonna do, yeah, and how he's gonna do it. Well, that's it, interesting you not, say that because yeah. that's exactly
0: what intrigues me about Tenant. I'm like, I want to see what he does. Yeah,
1: like because I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I'm just curious to see how he does it. I really don't care to see that movie for the movie. <laughs> you Tenet. know what I mean? Yeah,
0: maybe like, not for the movie. Like I'm, I'm not like, oh, I want to see, see that for the intriguing story, which I'm sure it will be, but. Nolan is big on practical effects, for starters. Like that's He likes what I mean. to do things real. He likes to do things in with these IMAX cameras. I'm like, I want to go see Nolan movies because it's a spectacle. You know what I mean? I want to see it in 4K rather than the cool characters or anything like that.
1: His, I feel like, are movies that you go see because someone else told you about this cool stuff that happens, not because you've Maybe seen the for trailer. You. you know what I mean?
0: I think that's very specific to you, though.
1: All right. Well, maybe it is specific to me. Hmm.
0: I think he's a bloody good director, and this is only his second movie out of 11, so this is a pretty early one for him. Mm. Hmm. So we have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials, most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon.
1: And until next time, thanks for listening.